All right, take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to the book of Daniel in your Old Testament. Book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. A familiar story to many people about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'm going to use this kind of as a, uh, as a, as a start. What's going on? We got, I'm not on? Okay. Let me check. I thought I was. Nope. How about now? All right. Good. Glad I got a sound man that keeps me straight. Amen. <laughs> somebody's got to do it. It's a nasty job, but somebody's got to do it. All right. Daniel chapter 3. Let's all stand together, if you would. We're going to read verses 8 down through 18. You read along silently as I read aloud. And again, this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They, uh, they heard the, the, the sound of, of music. <laughs> we're not talking about the movie, but we're talking about they heard a music that was supposed to call them to, to bow down and worship to an idol of Nebuchadnezzar, and they refused to do so. And uh, we'll see that uh, in, in this passage. In verse 8 it says, Wherefore at that time certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sack, butt, uh, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, <clears throat> shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Uh, there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and, and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if ye be ready, that at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sack, but... Uh, psaltery and dulcimer and all kinds of music, ye shall fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if you worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us out, uh, deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us out of thine hand, O King. But if not, be it known unto thee, O King, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. I want you to go back with me to verse 17 because this is where we're going to spring forth from this morning. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able 
to deliver us. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we're thankful this morning for the opportunity to gather together, even though we're not all in one place. We are, we're gathered together here, a few in the church. There are uh, people in their homes that are gathered together. And we're of one heart, we're of one mind. I'm thankful for our church folks. I'm thankful for their faithfulness to the online services when we have to, to go this route. Uh, Lord, I'm just, I'm thankful most of all that I serve a God who is able. I'm thankful I serve a God who is all-powerful, who's omnipotent, who uh, is omniscient, who, uh, who has uh, everything under control and knows exactly what's, what's happening, and you are able to do all things. We're, we're thankful for that, and we pray, Lord, as we take a look at, at uh, our sufficient Savior, that you would uh, guide and direct and bless this morning and, and take this message and work it in our hearts. Lord, there may be someone this morning that uh, is watching online. They don't know for sure today, if they were to die, they go to heaven to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. They're still in their sins. And Lord, uh, you have a desire to save them. I pray that today would be the day that they would turn from their sin, repent, and trust the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Father, just please have your will and way in our hearts as your Spirit ministers the Word of God to us. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. The title of this message is, Is Your God Able? Is your God able? These three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego, stood against the majority. Uh, when this took place, they were the, and the music began to play, they were the only people that refused to get down and bow down. They were the only people that remained standing. Everyone else hit the deck. They stood alone. You, you, you know, you talk about peer pressure. Uh, that was definitely strong peer pressure. They, they had to stand by themselves against the decree that the king had made. Now, there's, there's two reasons why they stood and why they stood against the tide rather than bow down and kneel. Number one, they had predetermined to do so. It wasn't something that caught them by surprise. They had heard the decree. They knew what the king required of them. And they determined, based upon their faith, based upon the fact that it was the Lord God that they were supposed to honor, it was the Lord God that they were supposed to worship, and, and they were to have no other gods before them, because of that, of that principle and because of that standard in their, their life, they had predetermined to do what was right. They lived by principle. They did not live by pragmatism. Pragmatism is just simply you do what works. You do what's advantageous at the moment. Uh, you do what will save your skin. Well, if they were pragmatic, they'd have hit the deck. But they weren't. They were driven by, by principles, and they were driven by the faith that they had in their God. And then secondly, not only did they predetermine not to, not to fall down because of what they believed, but they also knew that God was able. They knew God was able. 
uh, verses, look at with me again at verses 17 and 18. It says, if it, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. Then notice verse 18. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Uh, it almost sounds like a lack of faith because they say on one hand, God is able, but on the other hand, well, he may be able, but he may not do it. What, what, what caused them to make the statements in a, in a way that seemed to be a little contradictory? Well, first of all, he said, if it be so, if it be so, in other words, if it's God's will, and if God would, would, uh, would, would see fit to deliver us, he will do it because he is able. But then secondly, he's, they said, but if not. In other words, you know, we might not be calling this thing right. Or we're calling it right as far as not bowing. But we might not be calling it right thinking that God's going to deliver us. He might not. We know he's able. And we know he's, he's all powerful. That's, that's no big deal to God. But uh, we, we, may have, we may have called the thing wrong. We might end up dying. So be it. So be it. And they decided that, that regardless, it wasn't, it wasn't a, a lack of faith, but it was a realization of the fact that God will do what he wants to do in this situation. But we believe that God is able. You know what they had? They had surrendered hearts. They, they said, look, either way, we're pleased because we know that's what God would have. And that's what God's will is. If he delivers us, praise God. If we die in the fire, and we die in the fire because we would not kneel down to false idols and we would serve God and him only, then, then praise God. Either way, they were, they were pleased and they were surrendered uh, in their hearts to the Lord. You, you look back at some of the history of Israel, and one of the, one of the predominant uh, Incidents that took place was when Israel was in Egypt. God delivered them out of Egypt, brought them into the wilderness, and it was in the wilderness that He was preparing them there to go into the promised land. Yet that generation ended up not going into the land that God had promised them, that God had said that He would deliver them to. And the question is, why why didn't Israel go in? Why did they end up? banging around the, the wilderness for about 40 years, for 40 years before God would allow the next generation to go in. Well, in Numbers 31, or excuse me, Numbers 13, 31, what, uh, what the, the, the spies said when they came back from scouting out the land, they, they went into the promised land, they scouted it out, they came back. Now, they didn't go in. The, the purpose of sending them in was not to see if they should go in, but how they should go in and what they would be up against so they could be prepared. And when they came back in Numbers 13, 31, they said, we be not able to go against the people for they are stronger than we. Now, to some extent, what they said was absolutely correct. In and of their, their own selves, they were not able uh, with their own strength. 
They were not able. Were the people stronger than they were? Absolutely. And if God did not intervene, they'd be crushed like a bug. If you omit God from the equation, they were absolutely right. But, but uh, uh, Caleb and Joshua came back and said, we are well able. They didn't say that because they believed that they were sufficient. They said that because they believed that their God was sufficient. So, so what, was, what was the real difficulty? What was it that really caused them not to go into the promised land? They didn't believe that God was able. They didn't believe that God would be strong on their behalf. And the result was 40 years in the wilderness. You know, what we've got in American Christianity today, we've got a lot of wilderness Christians. Just kind of banging around in the wilderness, not really seeing God do much in their lives, not accomplishing much for God, and simply because they don't believe that God is able. We've got a lot of wilderness Baptist churches because they don't believe God is able. And God is able. And we're going to look at some things this morning that God says that he is able to do. Uh, take, your, take your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews chapter 7 to begin with. Hebrews 7. I miss hearing the rustling of the pages. I hear, <laughs> thank you. Some of you are doing it very loud. Both, both people are doing it loudly. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 7. Look, look with me down in verse 25. It says, Wherefore, he, speaking of God, is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. It's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And it says that he is able to save to the uttermost. Now, that does not mean that, that God is going to save every sinner. He is not going to save every sinner regardless. Uh, who he's going to save are those that come to him by faith, realize they're sinners, and realize that their sin is going to take them to hell if they don't have it forgiven. And they, they realize they need to turn from that sin and trust Christ and believe on him and him alone as their savior. And the moment a person does that, it doesn't make any difference how deep you are in sin. It doesn't make any difference what you've done or what you haven't done. What you, what, what you, the way you've sinned by commission or omission, it makes no difference to God. He can save to the uttermost. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Back up just a little bit. You're in Hebrews. Go to Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 1, and look down in verse 12. 2 Timothy 1, 12. It says, For the which cause I also suffer these things, and nevertheless I am not ashamed. And Apostle Paul says, For I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. That, that just simply means that, that any person that comes to Jesus Christ, not only will, will they say, will he save them if they trust them as Savior, him as Savior, but he will keep him. 
He can save to the uttermost. He saves for all eternity. You know, do we, do we really believe that God is able to save any and all that come to him? There is no sin too great for God. There is no sin that is greater than the, than the righteousness of God. There is no sin that's greater than the grace of God. There's no sin that's greater than the mercy of God. And the, the hardest thing to convince oftentimes a lost man of is that he deserves hell and he's, he's going to hell because of his sin and that Christ alone can save him. Uh, you know, I was brought up in a, in a religious system that taught that you had to be a good person to go to heaven. You had to keep the Ten Commandments. You had to do this. You had to do that. What, what that says in essence is yes god can save you but he needs your help i got news for you god doesn't need my help when it comes to my salvation god didn't need your help when it came to your salvation he is able to save to the uttermost and and he will the toughest thing oftentimes uh, to get a, a saved person to realize is that god has a desire to save all people and it makes no difference how bad that person is. It doesn't make any difference what that person has done or, again, hasn't done. Uh, that makes no difference to God. God can save to the uttermost. The other thing that, that oftentimes as, as saved people, we, we, we lose track. We lose consciousness of the fact that Everybody we come in contact with every single day, whether it be at the grocery store, whether it be in a restaurant, whether it be in our neighborhood, whether it be at work, whether, you know, wherever it is, every person we come in contact with someday is going to face God. And they're either going to end up in heaven or they're going to end up in hell. There is no in-between. There is no other place. There is no coming back and being reincarnated. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. Just once. And after this, the judgment. If you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you'll pass that judgment. If you have not trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you die in your sins... You will not pass the judgment. And it, again, as God's people, we need to realize and we need to believe that God is able. You know, um, we all have people in our lives that are impossible cases. We all have people in our lives that you, that you would look at and say, well, you know, God, can, can God save that person? Yes. But will God save that person? I don't, I don't think that will ever happen. I imagine there were some that looked at the Apostle Paul like that. I mean, he was running around the countryside. He was, he, was, he was persecuting Christians. I don't know that he literally killed them himself, but he organized and arranged their deaths. He held the coats for Stephen, so for, the, for the people that were going to stone Stephen so that so they could kill him. And you talk about somebody who was steeped in religion and steeped in what they believed. That was the Apostle Paul. But you know what? God was able. And God, God got a hold of his attention. Now, again, I understand God forces no one. Paul could have said no. He could have turned his back on God. But he did not do that. And because he did not do that, God saved him. 
It makes no difference what we've done. It makes no difference how, how badly we've sinned. God is able to save to the, other, uh, to the uttermost. Go with me to, to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. Another thing God is able to do, he's able to perform everything he promises. If he promises something, he's able to perform it. And he will perform it. Romans chapter 4, and look with me down in verse, verse uh, 13 and then down in verse 21. It says, For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Now drop down to verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, what God had promised, he was able also to perform. In other words, God, God said that he would do something, and he had the ability, and he was able to do that which he promised. Uh, this, this belief that God was, was able carried on uh, even after Isaac was born. If you take your Bibles and turn with me, keep your finger here in Romans, but uh, turn to Hebrews 11. Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews 11, which is the, a, a chapter that is entirely devoted to faith and examples of people that had faith in God, in Hebrews 11, look with me down in verses 17 through 19. Speaking of Abraham, it was after Isaac was born and he was told by God to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. In verse 17 it says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Uh, as far as I know, Abraham never heard of a resurrection. He never saw a resurrection. It didn't make any difference. God made a promise to him. And he promised that he would raise up a nation through Isaac. Isaac wasn't even married yet. And so, so Abraham just put it together and he said, listen, I believe he's going to raise him from the dead if I kill him because he's able to do it. And when he makes a promise, he always comes through on the promises that he makes. Uh, go back with me, if you would, to Romans chapter, chapter 4. And take a look with me at, at the characteristics of the faith that Abraham had in his able God. Look down in verses 16 and 17. It says, Therefore, it is a faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only, which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Uh, because of his faith and because he believed that God was able, he called those things which were not as though they were. In other words, even though they had not happened yet, God had made a promise. God said he was going to do some things in and through Abraham. 
And he believed it because he had a God who was able. When he, in fact, when he took, when he took Isaac to the mount, and this is, this is such a blessing. You read the uh, Genesis chapter 22, and you read the account of, of uh, Abraham taking Isaac to be sacrificed. And he took some people with him. He left them at the bottom of the mountain and said, now I'm going to go up, we're, I'm going to, we're going to do the sacrifice. He didn't tell him what he was going to do, just that it was to be a sacrifice. He didn't even tell Isaac. And he says, we're going to perform the sacrifice, and then my son and myself, we will return. Well, if he's sacrificing his son, how in the world can the two of them return? He believed that God would raise him from the dead. And, and uh, he had never seen that. He had never experienced anything like that before. But, but, but he called those things which were not as though they were. Why? Because he had a God that he believed in. And by the way, don't you know that those servants understood that Abraham was a man of faith and that Abraham had a God worth serving? You know, sometimes, again... And I've mentioned this in previous weeks, but we talk about how God is good and God is faithful and all that kind of stuff. And during, during COVID, all we're doing is wringing our hands and worried about this and worried about that and concerned about this. Whoa, that's contradictory. That looks like you don't have a God. That looks like your God is not able. What kind of a message are we giving out? You know, there's a world out there that is lost, they're confused, they're discouraged, they're disappointed, and if they see you have confidence in your God, that's gonna be a tremendous testimony. Tremendous testimony. And that's the kind of faith that Abraham had. Uh, you know, he, 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 he spoke of things that he had not seen yet, but because he knew God was able, and because he believed in his God, he knew that they would come to pass. Look down in verse 18. It says, uh, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. He believed in hope. And he believed in hope when, there, when at times there was no hope. Uh, he was told by God that he was going to have a child, but he got up in years. His bodily functions, his reproductive functions died. His wife's reproductive functions died. And yet he still believed God. He still had hope. Now, he faltered a little bit, if you know the whole story, and, and uh, you know about Hagar and, and going into the handmaid and all that kind of stuff, and Ishmael was born. Uh, you know what I'm thankful for? I'm, I'm thankful that God understands that we are but dust. <laughs> God understands that we're going we're gonna to stumble and fall. He doesn't make excuses for it. He holds us accountable for it. But the bottom line is when he comes to the, the New Testament, he says, my, my man Abraham had faith. He believed that I was able. And I, and I was and I am able. He believed in hope. And again, uh, you know, if you believe in hope, it's going to show up on your countenance. It's going to show up in the way that you deal with things. How different are you and how different am I from the people that are around us? 
Uh, they say suicides right now are going through the roof. They're saying drug use is over the top. Uh, there, there's, there's more domestic violence going on. You know why? People have no hope. If you have hope, it's going to show up. It's going to show up in your countenance. It's going to show up in the way that you do things throughout the day. And, and Abraham was a man that had hope. He had hope because he had a God who was able. Look down in verse 19. It says, And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. Uh, he ignored the negative circumstances. Uh, he said, look, I, I, know, I know it doesn't look good, but my God looks good. Uh, I, I know it doesn't seem possible, but my God specializes in the impossible. And he believed that he was able, regardless of the circumstances. And there are times when the lights are going to go out for you. I was just reading today about uh, a verse that, uh, uh, that contained the phrase, treasures uh, of the darkness, or treasures in darkness, something like that. Uh, there's, there's blessings in dark times. There's blessings when the lights go out. One of the reasons why is because that gives God an opportunity to be strong on your behalf, to raise you out of that thing, and, and to set your feet on solid ground on the other side. And that was, that was exactly what, what Abraham believed that God would do. And that's exactly what God did. Look down in verses 20 and 21. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. He didn't stagger but he was fully persuaded. That means there was no doubt in his mind that God was going to do what he said that he was going to do. And, and, he, and he believed that, and he acted like that because he believed that he had a God who was able. The third thing uh, that God is able to do, go to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2. Hebrews chapter 2, and look down with me, if you would, in verse 18, last verse in the chapter. Hebrews 2, 18. For in that he himself hath suffered, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, for in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. He is able, God is able to succor them that are tempted. Succor just simply means to rescue someone. And to rescue them, not just to pull them out, but to pull them out with provisions. It, it implies that he's uh, able to give comfort. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. There are different things that people go through in life. And 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says this. If you look with me down in verse Verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. If you're going through something right now, it's not unique to you. The Bible says, 
makes it makes it clear that uh, uh, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. In other words, everybody goes through troubles. Everybody goes through temptation. But God is able to get you through it. God is able to strengthen you through it. To, to if he desires to do so, to deliver you. Just like the, the, chil the, the uh, children of Israel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew children, uh, they, they said, you know, God is able to deliver us, but if not, you know, either way, he's either able to, to deliver you out of the situation or take you through the situation or to take you to the other side. You know, it, when it came to the Hebrew children, they would have died, but they would have died and gone to be with God. Uh, and they, they knew that. They knew that either way that God was able. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I love this passage. This is probably, practically speaking, in my life and in the life of others, is probably my favorite passage of Scripture in the Bible. I, I don't know of any passage that I've probably gone to more and referred to more, not only for myself, but for others. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. It says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort. He's able to comfort us and to succor us in any and all situations, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Um, it says that he, he is able to comfort us in all our tribulation. Why? Because he's able. He's able. All temptation that, that comes our way has to first pass through God before it, before it happens in our lives. Now, I'm talking about saved people. And if you're a child of God, that's true. Uh, Job's trials wouldn't have occurred if God said no. The devil said, you know, let, let me, you know, if you take the hedge out, the, the protection away from him, let me touch his body, let me touch his life, let me touch his family, he'll curse you to your face. And if God had said no, the devil couldn't have done a thing. But God said yes, and he had, a, he had a purpose, and he had a reason for saying yes. He was testing and trying Job. But Job, Job's trials wouldn't have even occurred if God had said no. Um, when he went through uh, the, the very first part, the end of chapter 1, I believe it is, um, and he uh, lost his family, his children, he lost his home, he lost all of his wealth, I mean, he lost everything that he had. And after that took place, after he lost it all, he said this. He said, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's one thing to say that after you get a raise. It's one thing to say that when you haven't had COVID yet. And it's one thing to say that when everybody's healthy in your family. And it's one thing to say that when you've got a solid job and things seem to be going well. But lose it all. And let's see what we say. Well, if you have a God who is able, and Job believed he did, if you have a God who is able, you will respond. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away, 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, another thing, and I, I hadn't really thought about this until, until I was preparing this message. But, you, you know, we say, well, God, had, or God restored it all to, to Job afterwards and so forth. Yeah, I know that, but it, we don't know how long afterwards. I mean, he went through it for a while. And, and while he was going through it, he was hearing nothing from God. Zero. The Bible hadn't been written yet. God spoke to people so that they could understand what his will was and the comfort that he would give and so forth. And God spoke to Job. But he didn't do so until, I think it's, ver it's chapter 38, which is right at the end of the book of Job. Uh, it, until then, he went, through, he went through suffering, he went through loss, he went through physical suffering. Uh, I mean, it didn't just, just happen that he had boils and it bothered him when he first saw it, and then after that it was okay. No, he had those boils through that whole thing. He was in miserable condition, but he believed that God was able. Now, did God give him that comfort immediately? No. No, he didn't. And you might ask God for comfort, you might ask God for deliverance, and he doesn't give it to you immediately. He will give you what you need when he desires to do it. We serve a sovereign God. And what that simply means is we don't tell him what to do. He tells us what to do. And it's just that simple. He is Lord. And that means that he's over us. But the comfort did come. It didn't come immediately. Well, you know what? That, that didn't change Job's attitude. He still said, in spite of all of that, uh, in spite of all that loss, blessed be the name of the Lord. The fourth thing God's able to do, go to 2 Corinthians 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And look down in verse, verse 8. In fact, let's do this. Let's go up to verse 6 and get the context. It says, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity. For God loveth the cheerful giver. In other words, you don't give because there's pressure. You don't give when you don't, when you don't want to give. Uh, you, you give with a cheerful heart. That's what God wants us to do. And, and, and God is able, in verse 8, to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. It says God is, is able to give us all grace, to give us all sufficiency, and to give it to us in all things. Uh, God is able to, to make grace abound to you when you need it. And, and the context is giving, but the general context is, is ministry and being a blessing to others. Uh, you know, when, when we say, uh, I can't do something, or you fill in the blank, whatever it might be, and if God wants you to do it, you're lying because you can do it. Now, again, in and of your own self, in and of your own strength, in and of your own ability? No. But that's the same as the children of Israel who looked at the promised land and said, no, we can't go in. We're not able to go in. No, you're right. You're not able, but your God is. And, and we face those same things. I can't tell you how many times 
that I, I, either it's been me who has personally asked or I have, I have been around when people have been asked, would you please do such and such f for me or for the Lord, for the church or whatever? And, and people, people look at them and say, no, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. Well, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. And again, the, the emphasis there is not, I can do all things. The emphasis is, through Christ which strengtheneth me. Uh, it's the Lord who gives us the strength. It's the Lord who's able. We're not. But God is. And, and Moses went through that when God called him to lead the people out of, out of Egypt. Um, you know, he, he argued with God. He says, I don't have the ability. And he finally got to the point where he said, listen, send who you want to send. But, but the implication was, send who you want to send, but you're not sending me. Because I, 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 I can't speak, and I, I, can't, I can't perform this task. Honestly, nothing's changed. That's, that's the kind of day, day we're living in today. Uh, you know, people argue with God about what they can do and what they can't do. I can't tell you the number of times uh, over, the, over the many, many years of ministry. I can't tell you the number of times I've heard people say, you know, God's given some people the, uh, the uh, talent and the gift and the ability to witness. But God has not given that to me. I remember talking to a guy in a bookstore in Green Bay years ago. And he said, well, you know, some people have the gift of evangelism and they can witness. Now, that's not me. I can't do that. So I don't. I just don't witness. Well, you're supposed to witness. God, the Bible says you're supposed to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And, uh, you, you know, we're supposed to, 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 to uh, spread the good news of, of salvation and of Jesus Christ. That's something that we've been commanded to do. Uh, and yet you hear people, people arguing. What, what it is, is they may not be able, but they're not willing to believe and they're not willing to accept that God is able. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, no matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance may be, God has his grace there. And if you need more grace, he's got more grace for you. Whatever you need, whatever, whatever resource, whatever strength, whatever help you need, God has it there and it's available. We always have all sufficiency in all things. If we give bountifully, if we give cheerfully, if we minister like God wants us to minister, we'd be a blessing to others, then, then God will give us what we need. And he'd give it to us sufficiently, and uh, he'll give it to us in abundance. Uh, the last thing that God is able to do, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. And I, I believe if we really believe the verse that I'm about to read, we would dream more. And when I say dream more, I'm talking about dreaming for God. You know, uh, we, would, we would look at things that aren't being done that possibly can be done because we have a God who can, who can see it done. Uh, look in Ephesians chapter, chapter uh, 3, you look down at verse 20. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now unto him that is able, speaking of God, him that is able to do exceeding abundantly 
above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Uh, he is able to do more than we think that he can do, and more than we ask him to do. In James chapter 4 and verse 2, James is rebuking a group of people because of their prayer life. And, and he says this to him. He says, you have not because ye ask not. And when they, when they were asking, they were asking with a wrong heart and they were asking amiss. You know, how much do, do we go without because we don't believe that, that God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think? You know, you know what, what we have a tendency to do? We, we, you know, we'll read that verse, we'll say amen to that verse. Then we very seldom live that verse. And the, when we do that, we're limiting God. We're just really putting a limit on God. You know, is your God all-powerful? Or have you stuffed your God into a box that has very limited parameters? And you say that, you know, this is what my God is going to do. I got news. Our God can do exceedingly abundantly above anything you and I could ask, above anything we could even think of him doing. That's the God whom we serve. Take your Bibles and turn with me over to, to Psalm 78. Psalm 78 is one of the saddest and frightening to me passages that I find in the Word of God. And in Psalm 78, speaking about the children in the wilderness and the generation that was denied the promised land. And they were denied the promised land simply because they did not believe God. They did not believe that he was able. And in Psalm 78, look in verses 19 and 20. It says in verse 19, Yea, they spake against God. They said, Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock, that the waters gushed out, and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? And obviously, they didn't believe that. They didn't believe, that's why they were questioning it. And they didn't have a God who could do exceeding abundantly above all they asked or thought. Now, they did have him, but they didn't believe him. They didn't believe he was able. Look what the results were down in verse 41. And, and this is a verse that just puts fear and trembling in me every time I read it. Verse 41, Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. How did they tempt God? They didn't think He was able. And it says they limited the Holy One of Israel. Now what that just simply means is this is that he wanted to do things for them, and because of their unbelief, he couldn't do those things for them. He desired to give them things, and he could not give them the things that he desired because of their unbelief. What was that? That was limiting God. The question I want to leave with you the, 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 this morning is, do you believe God is able? Well, if he's able, what is he able to do in your life that he hadn't done yet? What is he able to perform that would just absolutely 
leave you with your mouth wide open and say, wow, I've got a, I've got a wonderful, awesome God. And we use that word awesome all the time. You know, we talk about awesome pizza and awesome meal and awesome friends. Honestly, uh, the, the, the word awesome fits one person <laughs> and it fits our God. He's awesome. I mean, he is. It's unbelievable what he will do, but he's able to do those things. And the thing that stops us from seeing those things is our unbelief. In conclusion, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Jude. Jude is in the back of your Bible. And it's just before the book of Revelation. Book of Jude. Only one chapter, so we're going to look at the last two verses of the, of the book. Last two verses of the book. Jude Verses 24 and 25. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God, our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and ever. Amen. It says, now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. If you're saved... Someday you're going to be presented to God faultless. You're faultless because of Jesus Christ. You're, you're, you're righteous because you'll be wearing his righteousness. Uh, you are clothed in the righteousness of God. And, and God is able to do that. If you're not saved, if you've not trusted Christ as Savior, understand there is nothing you can physically do to gain forgiveness from God. One thing you can do is believe that He is able to forgive you of all your sins and to give you eternal life. If you just simply believe on Him, repent and believe on Him and Him alone, God is able to save you. God is able to give you eternal life. Do you have a God who is able? Or... Does your life reflect a God who is limited? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, this message can be a time of reflection for all of us. It can be a time of rebuke. There are times when, honestly, every one of us lives in such a manner that if somebody were to look from the outside looking in, they'd say, whoa, that's not how a person who has a mighty, almighty, all-powerful God, that's not the way a person would act. And sometimes we reflect that in our actions and our attitudes, our speech. Father, forgive us when we're like that. Forgive us for not looking to you and expecting you to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask and above all that we think. Lord, there may be someone watching this broadcast this, this morning that uh, has not trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. They are still in their sins right now where they, where they sit. God, I pray that you would convict their heart, work on their heart, and help them to see that they, they are a sinner and they're heading for hell. And they need to cry out to mercy, for mercy to you. And Lord, you will hear their cry and you'll save their soul if, if they trust you and you alone 
as their Savior. I pray, Lord, also for Christians this morning that have a God who is able, but don't live like they have a God who is able. Lord, uh, forgive us for our doubts. Forgive us for our trepidation. And help us to, to live confidently, not because we're somebody, but because you're somebody. Speak to hearts this morning and have your will and have your way in our hearts and lives during this invitation. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I'd like to ask.